Welcome to the Individual Matters podcast and video series. I'm your host, Andrew Caton, and I'm joined by my wife and co-host, Dr. Katrina Caton, licensed psychologist. Hello, everyone. Today, we're talking about self-advocacy skills, and we're going to discuss ways that parents and educators can foster development of these skills in their students and kids. Yeah, so when we're talking about self-advocacy, what we're talking about specifically today is the student's ability to recognize a need in themselves and be able to go up and communicate that effectively to a teacher or to a parent in order to get that need met. Okay, I know you have a list of some different skills here, some different approaches. Why don't we go ahead and start with the first? So first, I want you to think about how hard asking for what you need is. Asking for help, asking for a change, asking for more. Think about yourself and maybe you could challenge yourself to go in tomorrow to work and email your boss that you want to set up a meeting. And then when you get in that meeting, you're going to ask for a raise. So when we're thinking about doing that, we, we get nervous or, gee, what if, what if they say no? Or what if I get fired? Or am I even worth that? Or maybe I missed something. So just sit with that for a minute and imagine yourself sitting with your boss asking for a raise face to face. And this is what we're talking about when we're asking students to go up to their teachers and ask for help, clarification, whatever it might be. It's extremely nerve-wracking, overwhelming, intimidating. And I think the number one reason that a student does not approach a teacher is anxiety or shame. So what I, what I put together was six steps, and you can do this with your student, and it'll help them develop the skill they need in order to ask for help or to self-advocate with a teacher. So step one is, now this is is on the adult, but step one is to create a safe space where the student feels comfortable speaking up or sharing their thoughts. Students who feel safe and don't feel shame will make requests. They will ask questions and they will speak up. Sometimes, It can be the relationship between the student and the teacher that can make it feel shameful or intimidating, or sometimes it could be the dynamics within the student body. Whatever it might be, the very first step is going to make sure that that environment is safe and there is space to feel good. So it's going to look different for every teacher in their particular classroom, right? I mean, depending on the dynamics among the students, depending on what class it is, what age group it is, the teacher's personality, how they run the class, the routine from start to finish. There's some different things that, and, and teachers have different ways of running their classrooms. So I guess that's something that every teacher has to think about for themselves. How do you create that safe classroom? And how are you responding when a student does come up and ask a question? We really have to avoid things like, why didn't you do it already? Or, gee, that was due last week. Or weren't you paying attention? Um, Those kinds of things will shut the conversation down immediately and sometimes permanently. The other thing is we have to be real mindful of how the other students are reacting when a student does speak up or ask a question. And thirdly, I think if we honor the way in which the child advocates for themselves, for some that's going to be face-to-face, for some that's going to be in writing, for some that's going to be during class, other kids it might be after class or out on the playground. So you just have to be open and mindful that how the child advocates might look different, but when you respond with listening and warmth, you're going to open up that door and you're going to see a big change. So the student may have a lot of anxiety prior to approaching the teacher. Maybe what you're saying is the teacher 
should remember this. It might not be evident in the child's behavior, but they might have been thinking about this for quite a while and preparing. And the other thing that I heard you say is teaching and supporting self-advocacy is a process, so they may not get it right the first time. They're, they're improving. The goal here is skill improvement. Skill improvement and awareness. And I think that's an excellent point. You can't always see shame. You cannot always see shame. So just because a student looks calm or disinterested, you you can't see shame. And I am certain the number one reason a child does not speak up or ask a question is shame. I'm going to be in trouble. I did this wrong. I should have asked last week. What if my parents find out? I'm stupid. I wasn't paying attention. The list goes on and on. How are the other students going to react? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to slow down the class. They're going to think I'm stupid. Maybe she said it already and I just wasn't listening. So shame can run pretty deep. What's the second one? Step two is this is you help the student identify and clarify what specifically is needed. So when you're at home with your student and they're complaining about they don't know when it's due or what's due, then that's the, that is identified. Okay. How might you find out? Well, she writes it on the board. Okay, where else might you find that information? Why don't you have access to that information? Okay, it's gonna be pretty hard for you to do that assignment without the information, let me help you. Would you like some suggestions? The idea is that if you have a global problem in a class, well, I don't know when to turn it in or I don't know what's going on, you really have to narrow it down, have an open conversation about what specifically is the problem so that you can then help them ask for help for that problem. And you used thinking questions there, which is important because rather than telling the student what he or she needs to do and putting them on the defensive, you're asking these open-ended questions. So it allows the student to, to think and problem solve what might be going on and what might work. That's right. So they're doing the thinking. And um, the other piece of that is, Whatever you think it is, you're probably wrong. Just saying. As adults, we are um, not great at guessing what's going on. And so if we're able to um, ask those questions, we're going to get some pretty insightful responses. You can't really understate the value of asking questions. I mean, for any reason, not just for supporting advocacy. Just asking questions, asking students questions, and allowing them to, to think and work their way through it. Yeah, so if you're a visual thinker, I like to think about it if we had a big beach ball and they come to us, they hand us that beach ball and then we just sort of gently volley it back to them. We're always kind of putting it back in their court. It also sends the message, you know what? I think you know better than me. I think you're the expert in this situation and I think you can handle it. Mm -hmm. And it's a safe conversation, it sounds like. Okay, what's the next one? Step three, this is when we have to explicitly teach self-advocacy skills. We can't be um, expecting a student to perform if there's no skill. So it's, it may be a skill deficit, so you're going to explore different ways to speak up. If you were to ask that question, when would you ask it? When's a good time? Before class? After class? Okay, what might you say? Do you think you'd be more comfortable sending the email or raising your hand in the middle of class? Uh, If you do send the email, maybe would you like some suggestions on the way to word that kind of question? And then um, role-playing is really effective here. So you can practice speaking up. That way the child can work through or the student can work through some of the anxieties. And when they go in to ask the question or next time, they're ready to go. They've practiced 
um, and they know what they're going to ask when they're going to ask. And this is really something that they can then use to explore. Wow, that was really uncomfortable face to face. It was kind of awkward. I think I might send an email next time or, oh, that email took too long. So I sent the email last time, but now I think I'm ready to ask the question in person. Practicing before. That's a good point. I guess it's something we don't normally think about when it comes to self-advocating. We might um, talk with a student about why they should self-advocate and what for, but how many times do students actually go through the motions like an actor practicing their lines maybe the night before? Yeah, so let's go back to tomorrow. Your challenge is to go in and ask for a raise. You're going to be rehearsing. You're going to be rehearsing what you're going to say. You're going to be taking notes down on why you're so great and deserve a raise. You're probably going to be uh, rehearsing or role-playing with your spouse. You're going to be talking to yourself all the way to work, and you're going to be rereading and reading and rewriting that email. And so those are the rehearsals that we would do, and this is just a really great way to practice. Then you can bring it back to what worked, what didn't, Oh, I told, I got nervous and I froze. Okay, let's talk about that. What made you nervous? And now you're digging deeper and you're doing really great communication and um, processing and skills training with that. I guess that's an opportunity to explore the consequences and how you might feel if your attempt to advocate and, and get something you want is refused. Right, because there's no guarantees. And this isn't about teaching the student to ask because they always get what they want. This is good practice for life because you advocate and you may or may not get it, but it's not about their response. It's about your ability to go for it and to ask for what you need. This also goes back to what we were saying at the beginning, which is advocating comes in different forms. And it's really about figuring out which one is best for you. If your child is not a Johnny on the spot kind of person, then raising their hand in class probably isn't gonna work. If they need a little bit of time to formulate their thought or try to figure out what the issue is, they might be better at writing it out in an email or something like that. A lot of students feel more comfortable asking after class or before school or another time that doesn't have peers around. Other students find that one-to-one to be really awkward. Okay, that's great. I don't want to get too far ahead because I don't. I know you have another list there, but in thinking about going and, and asking these questions kind of planning out how things might go, even if they don't go the way that you want them to, you might be able to prepare your response. And it sounds like if you're planning or or going through the motions beforehand, you can reiterate that we don't always get what we want. Even when we're advocating in a healthy, positive way, we might not get the the response we want. And and also we might go in there and advocate and, and really screw it up and really sure. <laughs> things won't go as we planned and that's okay too. It's practice. And the other thing is, is I have found talking to students that they actually worry that the teacher is going to be disappointed in them for having not knowing what was going on or having not paid attention. And when we have this conversation, they're surprised when I tell them how impressed I think their teacher is going to be when they approach them. It's always like, Really? Why would they be impressed when I wasn't paying attention or um, why, why would they be glad that I'm following up on something that's late? And so I think it is about having those conversations because that barrier of what the teacher is going to think of them is what's creating some of that shame and anxiety. And that's not the case at all. So often it's the opposite and they are just 
blown away and impressed by these students when they're able to do that. Students need to hear that. Probably get easy, gets easier the more that you do it. And then, of course, you're keeping that, that line of communication open with your teacher, which is always a good thing, especially as you move up in grades and then go to college. The more that you're in communication with your teacher or professor, the better. So you're already practicing that that process and that relationship early on. And go back to asking for the raise. When you think about asking for a raise, you're not like, man, my uh, boss is going to be so impressed with me today for asking this question. That's probably not the first thought. It's usually like, oh, I could get fired for something like this. So yeah. Or if he says no, then what? Or she says no, then then what do I do? Does yeah, they're all I, your I, cards keep are working on the, here. Right, right. And <laughs> it's just going to be awkward later. All right. Okay. What's the next one you got? Okay, so the next one is step four, and that's to process through the barriers. This can involve simply validating how difficult it can be. You can work on identifying some of those shame triggers that we were talking about earlier, or it can actually just be coming up with concrete solutions to very specific problems. So it could be like a brainstorming session. But the whole point here is that you're processing through, you're continuing to talk about it and and knowing that this is not a single time thing, but this is a process of becoming a self-advocate. So is this something you do before, this is actually before you approach, before the student approaches their teacher? Is that what you're saying? They're thinking about all the different, basically what they want to ask for? Yeah. So once they determined, you know, I'm going to go talk to my teacher tomorrow morning, then this might be an opportunity to say, how are you feeling about that? Are you a little bit nervous? That's normal. Little metacognition, kind of keeping track of how you feel through the process, being mindful of your feelings. And okay, that's good practice for anything. Sure. And then step five is to reinforce and celebrate even the smallest of victories. So for example, your student might come home and you, did you ask? Did you ask? Did you raise your hand? No, but I thought about it. I thought about it today. I was close. And that's exciting because then the student is mindful of speaking up in the moment and that's where you want them. So we don't say, gee, what happened? Why didn't you? Or it's great. Look how much closer you got to your goal. You're going to get there. Okay. This is a journey, right? So it might not be a home run right out of the gates. I think I missed mixed metaphors there, but it's not, you don't have to hit a home run the first time, but it's, we're working up to this, right? So every Small day. Small reinforcers, a little bit by little bit, go to bigger bits and bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay. And asking what, what went well. That's as, right. As opposed to what, what didn't, or why didn't you do this? Yeah, so it's really about celebrating those small victories towards that bigger goal. And something I tell students that are nervous is, and of course you got to get ahead of it, but that first day of class, raise your hand immediately and say something, ask something. If you do that on the first day, you'll do it the rest of the semester. The longer you wait to speak up, the bigger the anxiety monster gets and the harder it is to do it. So if you have kind of an anxious or cautious student, make sure you're talking about on the first day of class, say something, raise your hand. That will get you through that barrier and you'll be good to go. And not everybody's going to be equally good at this. I think that that's kind of obvious, but some individuals, some students will have a more difficult time. They'll get more tongue twisted. They'll forget what they have to say. As you said, the pressure or the anxiety may build up. It's a hard thing to do. You know, even when we look at these podcasts that we create, we're, we don't have a background really in, in lengthy, we don't have a career in podcasting and 
Um, it can be tough to find your words sometimes, even when you're trying to make a point. And when you're a student and you're approaching somebody who might be intimidating or that you respect. Yeah, I mean, that's such a great point, too, because I was asking a, a younger child about why they don't speak up in class. And he said, because of my speech impeachment. And <laughs> it, it was just so sweet. But the idea of how I sound to others can be really intimidating. And so processing through that and validating that can be so powerful. This really is a skill for life. This is something that goes beyond the classroom, beyond primary and secondary school, beyond college, into a job, into asking for anything that you want, into being honest with yourself and honest with others. And um, it's really difficult to do. And if you can take some steps now as an educator or as a, as a parent to start developing these are skills that we might not think about as being difficult with our kids. Ironically, we ask them to do this all the time while we as adults maybe yeah. aren't so great at it ourselves. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, okay. Then the last one is step six. And this is after you, your child has spoken up or they've written the email and you're kind of closing that loop on, well, how to go. Or maybe they're still avoiding it and they haven't, they have not asked, they have not raised their hand. Well, and then you can dig a little deeper because something else is going on there. Um, and then circle back through one through five and see where they got hung up. Maybe it's not a safe environment. If you have a really cranky boss who's critical and likely to fire you, we wouldn't blame you for not going in and asking for what you want. So I think the thing is to go back through and see, is it a safe environment? Have they identified exactly what they need? Do they know how to ask? Have they decided on a format? Was it the right format? Maybe it was too much too soon. Are there other barriers that you missed? And did you miss a small victory? And now we've asked them to do more than they're ready for. So circling back around and going back through one through five, what is really preventing them for asking for that help? Okay, good stuff. Anything else you want to add? Nope, that's all on this one. And um, we'll touch on this some more in future podcasts. Thanks for joining us. As always, you can find more information as well as resources on our website, individualmatters.org. We hope you'll join us at the next podcast where we'll continue to learn more about learning and share ways to help your student and yourself lead a more positive and fulfilling life. Mm-hmm.